On today's show, the preseason schedule is out. It's got some international flavor, and we know the Cavs group stage games for the in-season tournament. Let's talk all about that on a new episode of Locked on Cavs. You are Locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Music you heard on the way in is from our friends at Astro Radio. I am Chris Manning. That is Evan Damrell back together again this week. Preseason schedule is out. We're going to talk about what to look forward to in preseason a little bit because that's just where we're at in the summer and this is a, not that far away relatively. And we're going to talk about the in-season tournament a little bit more. Talk about that. We know the group stage games. Just think about that concept a little bit more if you haven't heard us talk about it. Evan, let's start with the preseason schedule. Sure. October 10th in Atlanta opened things up. October 12th at home against the Magic. October 16th at, at home against uh, one of the uh, against Israeli team. Maccabi, I'm not going to try to pronounce the second half of it, but a second division Israeli team that played against NBA teams last summer got smoked in every game. And uh, October 20th, they're on the road against the Indiana Pacers. The most interesting thing about the schedule itself to me, Evan, is the international part of it. I think it's cool mm-hmm. the Cavs are going to have this in Paris which is a regular season game, obviously, but within you know several months of each other. I think that's cool that we're getting some international flavor into our lives. I agree, and I had to double-check just to make sure because I know there was an international team that I believe was Israeli that beat the Phoenix Suns. It was not Maccabi uh, Ra'anana. This team, but, yeah, this team got smoked last year. Smoked. Yeah, yeah. They, they, I'm checking up their bio now, but like there's not really like a through line in terms of connection um, in terms of just like what is the thread here, but I think it's just good for international clubs, like at any level uh, just to come and play NBA teams because it's a good exhibition for them. I think, and it really just drives home the point. Like you said that basketball is a global game. Um, it, It is all encompassing. The Cavs have, quite a few international faces or at least they did before they um they sent out jetty osmond and everything but uh, ricky rubio i guess is one of the last few standing guys there and george niang as well too but either way um it's just nice to see like these international clubs that frankly you and i would never really see play i think the nba didn't really tap into it until victor Wembanyama was um you know slotted to be the first overall pick so people were paying attention to uh the french league play over there over there like at least you could on like the espn app and everything but it's just another opportunity maybe just to allow the international game to grow and expand heck maybe not even just this team this maccabi squad that's going to be facing cleveland maybe it's a different international squad maybe there's a guy that stands out and the team's like okay we'll uh we'll dog ear this page on this guy's book or this page in this guy this book we have on this team just like maybe he's a guy we keep an eye on and we bring him over uh, like for summer league or training camp or something like that if he ever wants to come stateside maybe he's worth taking a gander whether it's just like a seasoned journeyman or it is a guy that maybe went undrafted and decided to play overseas instead of taking the g league path are you are you counting lawrence massachusetts uh as international because that's where george nings from and he went to high school in new hampshire he technically has um his dad was born and raised in senegal but he's like i mean yeah he's, he's born senegalese roots is what i was getting at dog am i not okay am i not allowed to uh, you're no no you're good you're good you're allowed to have fun um 
Because I'm just thinking, you said, it's because he's from Massachusetts, even though he has the Santa Cruz. dad, born and raised in Senegal, all that stuff. I know that. It's just yeah. poking fun. You're good. You're good. Um, but on the other flip side of things, I think just the three NBA squads the Cavs are facing, like, it's preseason. You don't know how much teams are really going to, like, play their entire lineups. You may see the Cavs play their almost entire training camp squad during this. And they keep trimming back the rosters to figure out their final 15 and... Surprise, folks, 13 of those 15 spots are already guaranteed and spoken for. So it's not really much of a competition right now. Um, but other than that, um, it, it, you put the Hawks, they're, you know, not on the same level as the Cavs, but they're a team that made a power move. So, like, there is some intrigue there. I think Quinn Snyder makes them a lot better as a team just functionally. And then you have a team like Orlando and Indiana who are just both young and scrappy. And we'll talk about the Pacers a little bit more when it comes to the in-season tournament. But, like, they're, they're teams that could be a little bit of annoying, a little just not a little bit, a lot of bit annoying uh, during the regular season. And it's just like it's some good, healthy competition. It's not like you're watching the process Sixers or the post LeBron era Cavs either time roll out a team out there like you're actually going to get some maybe some some fun uh, preseason action uh, just because preseason games are cheaper. Maybe fans can't afford to go to a regular season game. This might be their chance to see the Cavs. You can probably see some fun hoops uh, no matter which game you go to. Yeah, I mean, I I think kind of beyond that part of it, I think the the opponents it's it's a good mix, right? Like you're gonna get it. You're gonna get Orlando and Indiana, who I think are a little bit more upstart, and you're gonna get probably take some energy and some shots from them. And I think that's interesting. You have Maccabi, who has literally nothing to lose, isn't very good, but like I'm curious to just see, you know, like if Amani Bates plays against them, if. Craig Porter Jr. plays a lot of minutes against him. If you get some of the, the training camp guys, like you mentioned, play against him, like how do they stack up against like a second division Israeli team? I think that mm-hmm. is interesting. And then Atlanta in that first game is a team that I think has some eyes on upward mobility to be competitive at more closer what the Cavs were last year. I think that's interesting. I think these are all teams that like offer you enough. Like the shouting the process Sixers because like that's about the worst kind of team you could get in the preseason. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that these games. I'm not as optimistic about the quality of the preseason basketball. Oh, no, it's, no, no, it's no, not. No. It's not particularly interesting all the time. You're not going to get like full throttle stuff, and you shouldn't. But I think like it is a good mix of levels. At least when you do get some bits and pieces you can take, and you get to see all these new pieces incorporated before the regular season starts. That that's where I think all the value is going to come from. This. Yeah, and for the most part, the Cavs are a fairly complete product. I think that's fair to say, at least in terms of their starting five, um, or starting four, rather, the core four. And then who starts the small forward? This is a debate I talked about solo. I think you talked about it solo as well when you and I were apart. And um, it'll be an interesting thing just to watch. Like, does Isaac Okoro take advantage of the competition in front of him to maintain his spot as a starting three? Or does Max Struess come in and just make it explicitly clear like yeah the Cavs need shooting at the three spot in order just to kind of make this offensive lineup work and flow a little bit a bit better and also what kind of lineups does JB utilize like does he do some weird stuff like do we see as you said like do we see a lot of Craig Porter Jr. and like Amoni Bates and um Isaiah Mobley or do you see like just a lot of weird funky stuff just for the Cavs just to kind of just try and workshop things because they do need to figure out 
okay, how do we now maximize the opportunity of a pretty top-heavy team? And again, like you said, there's not a lot of stock you can take in preseason. I think there's a lot of film breakdown and maybe just like small vignettes you can look into to see that's functional. And I think that's kind of ultimately what you're hoping for because there's only so much you can get from training camp and just grinding against the same guys uh, one or two times a day. And it's it's sometimes nice to get a change of scenery, maybe just test out what you've been working on in the lab on a different opponent. Yeah, the one thing I wish we got in the NBA that we don't get, and we wouldn't get access to watch it anyway, and they do like with the Browns right now in Philly, but I think it would be really cool if we had teams like practice with each other and like scrimmage. Uh, We'll never get it. And like, again, NBA practice is not a thing that you can like go and watch, but it would be fair. Like, it would be cool. Like, that that would be something that I would, if you got me some five on five scrimmages, I would love that. Uh, After this, though, we're going to talk about one of. A couple of actual on-court things to watch in the preseason, and there's there's a big one just considering we don't exactly know if Ricky Rubio is going to be around when the season starts. What does that mean for the backup guard minute? So we'll talk about that coming up after this. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football season is about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. This, this is all it takes. You pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and for every time they win a game in the regular season, you get bonus bets for each of those victories. You can use those bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So let's say you pick the Browns. They win 11 games, something like that. You get 11 bonus bets. If you pick the Chiefs and they win 14 games or something, you get 14 bonus bets. If you bet on Baker Mayfield in the Bucks for a reason, they win like three games. You get three bonus bets. That is how this works. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash lock. All right, Evan, this is, we think you were not around when this Rubio stuff broke i did a solo show on it Mm. this to me is the one part of the the in a basketball sense i i again i want to be very mindful of what ricky is going through i think Mm -hmm. giving him whatever space he wants is fair all that stuff but in a actual practical basketball sense i think it would we would be remiss not to just say his absence i think will i'm curious to see who gets an opportunity because i do think even as bad as he was last year i think he would have maybe gotten an opportunity come the start of training camp and everything to kind of be in the rotation i think he's really beloved and respected by that coaching staff in that locker room mm-hmm. and i'm curious to see who maybe steps up in his absence do, do any names come to mind for you as someone who could step into those rubio minutes i certainly i mean from the top it, it's like you said uh rubio likely would have had minutes of the rotation come opening night. He wouldn't be like a guy who's getting like heavy, heavy minutes, but guys maybe. And like you said, like full disclosure, I hope Ricky Rubio is doing better when he's taking his time away from the court to just kind of find his bearings mentally and just make sure that he is doing all right, mind, body, and soul and wish him nothing but the best in his process. And but from a basketball sense, um, like guys, obviously it's it's Karis LeVert, Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland. Like those, that's your that's your that's your stable of guys getting like consistent minutes in the guard rotation. That could obviously be bolstered a little bit if the JV wants to go a different route. Maybe 
play more Isaac Okoro or maybe give Dean Waite some burn as well at the back end of the rotation and along with George Niang just to kind of like round up that bench group and then Max Struess is in that forward grouping as well but like if you're just looking from just like a maybe positional battle and just like at the guard spot I, I think a Ty Jerome I'm interested to see like how he functions as a player like I know I hype him a lot on this show but like I've kind of cooled on the idea of it a little bit too and just like he presents to you a pretty easy need in terms of the shooting and he does provides you basic playmaking as well and again if he's like coming in for rubio and getting like 5 10 maybe 15 minutes tops a night like he's not gonna be like a game breaker if um he doesn't have it going but if he does like that's just a benefit for the Cavs then on offense but other than that like it's the guys at the top of course and then there's just guys like jerome who could maybe audition for minutes and if he clicks well with the lineup like it's a it's an easier uh, addition or move for the Cavs. but like there's also just other guys that could like step into that fringe rotation spot and maybe take advantage of just like again 10 15 minutes that are in front of them my brain went to carousel vert for this reason I kind of thought we might see him shift back to something kind of more akin to pre-last season Karis LeVert, where he's not really a backup point guard at times. Like He's kind of more of a, a scoring guard who maybe takes a few more threes based on last year, and, and kind of, but isn't exactly kind of the, the ball handler type we saw that last year. If Rubio isn't around, let's say like he doesn't start the season with the team, isn't a training camp, I wonder if they just ride Levert more in that case instead of like leaning on a Jerome who isn't like a pure point guard in that way or leaning on Craig Porter Jr. on a two-way. I, I am just curious to see if like Levert maybe is the answer and then all these other things. Like maybe like Jerome gets more run in with the regular guys in preseason. Maybe Craig Porter Jr. gets a shot if the coaching staff likes him behind closed doors and stuff we don't see. So my brain just goes to Levert because JB might keep a tight rotation. And Levert kind of does some of that stuff, even if it looks very different, obviously, than what Rubio does. Yeah, I mean, no matter what, what you get is going to be obstinately different than what Rick Rubio provides. Um, he's unique in that skill set where he is a point guard that plays bigger than his size. He does provide you some scrappy, adequate defense, at least within J.B. Bickerstaff's ecosystem. Um, Levert, the, the trade-off is, of course, like more. there's more of a reliable scoring punch, I think I'd say. Um, you're getting some basic reads, basic vision stuff. I think he is better enabled when you have a guard that can kind of reset the table and run the offense, whether that, I mean, it didn't work when Rubio came back, but maybe if they had the benefit of training camp and uh, the, the shake-off of Rust, if Rubio was available to play, like maybe that's different but the Cavs did find effective lineups when they ran like just a tandem of Levert with one of Mitchell or Garland because then you give all the playmaking and more of the serious ball handling and just table setting responsibilities that uh, Levert doesn't have to do with and yeah you still empower him to do that at times but you also give him more of a freedom to just be himself find his shot find his energy within the rotation and yeah to your credit like this is a guy that um, kind of definitely can benefit from the Cavs maybe having some extra minutes available and this is a team that doesn't go super deep into the rotation to begin with under Bickerstaff so like this could just be another avenue for JB to look elsewhere and also maybe just keep his rotations tight and tidy like he typically does is there what else give me another storyline you're looking forward to for training camp uh training camp I, I am curious to see do they sign a veteran or some type of guy to bring him in before 
training camp starts or do they maybe based on who they invite i, I would assume some of the summer league guys will be there um the guys obviously on exhibit 10 deals like pete nance um will be a part of training camp and then he won't stick with the main club he'll just end up on the path heading to the charge because of that exhibit 10 deal but um does a guy step up and maybe just kind of show the calves that maybe this is a guy who's like isaiah mobley who he's maybe just too good for the g league but not good enough quite yet for the nba and the Cavs maybe find a guy who they kind of want to keep a little closer of an eye on and they swap Mobley out for a guaranteed contract. Uh, depends on how it's structured. And then they signed a different guy to a two-way deal just to kind of maybe keep a closer eye on him and in his development at that juncture. But I don't have a lot to really look at because this roster is pretty set in place. They have two roster spots right now that are open. I'd assume they are going to keep one of those open. It's been pretty well reported that they are going to keep one of those open. And maybe there's a guy who steps up or maybe it's just similar to like we talked about this a while back and then they signed a davis suit after that maybe they just go find a vet that can kind of be that adult in the room um it's certainly not going to be danny green but um yeah uh, they maybe they find a guy that can kind of just be that veteran in the locker room especially now that rubio is stepping away from basketball for a little bit like they do need a guy who can kind of be that veteran presence and be the the guy that people gravitate to when things are getting really tight I wonder if the adult is like in the point guard room if Rubio's not around. Because like, it's like they got Damian Jones, who isn't like that, like we think of him in that way, but is a little bit older, is kind of like you traded for him, give up nothing to be your backup center in that way. Like, I, you know, the, I, I don't think like the PJ Washington thing is not super realistic because of financial reasons. There's not like a ton of great point guards out there that I'm like, sign me up for that, brother. But like, would you just bring back Neto I and be like, say, they're, they're, I, no, there's Neto, your adult? Um, Neto is overseas now. Yeah. We're actually talking about him in my bachelor party. I wish you were there to talk about it. But like, who do the Cavs sign? I'm like, well, Neto's overseas. Um, I do have a name, but go ahead and keep riffing. Well, no, they, like, I just is a thing. Just you forget these things. Um, I'm look. I'm gonna look now and see who the other current available point guards are. I have somebody that the Cavs are somewhat familiar with. This may make you snort, but um, probably will. Rajan Rondo could be a guy the Cavs take a stab at. He's a guy yeah. that a lot of people in that locker room liked and respected. JB thought very highly of him, and. I think there needs to be obviously a clear understanding he's not going to play, but if you want him to step up and be that vet who to his credit, like during the three alphas bulls is like the guy who really did try to take an active role in like being like the veteran leader for those younger bulls players. Like there could be a path for him there. Like, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of off court concerns since he last played for the Cavs, but I don't know, maybe a guy like him shoot, maybe George Hill could be interested. If George Hill is unsigned, I'm unsure if he is right now, but like, yeah, he's not signed. So, like, you have to look at, like, those types of players. Like, guys who probably or should fully expect not to play. If they do get minutes, like, they're not going to be totally overwhelmed, but it's pretty clear they're far, far over the hill. Yeah, I'm looking at the list, and there's it's there's not really, like, names that I'm, like, screwing up. But it, I will just, on the Ronda thing, it will be a great... His last NBA minutes, at least till now, we'll see if he plays again. Doubtful was with the Cavs during the 2021-22 season? That is a great trivia question at a bar on a trivia sports night. Is what well, who did Rajon Rondo play his last NBA minutes with? Cuz your 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 brain, your lizard brain could go, "Oh, the Lakers." Like he was on yeah. there, like you might forget about that he was on the Hawks for 27 games and then was on the Clippers and then was on the Lakers again and then was on the Cavs. Yeah, it's it's a weird and interesting path. Um for sure and I'm looking at names now too. Like, does Michael Carter Williams strike fear? Like he, get you he, going? But he's mm. he's the one that I like like more of any of the other ones out there, just because like the size is kind of nice. But I 
and they're, they're, in terms of just like older guards yeah like it's nothing like super inspiring like but that's the thing it's it's your guy you're a guy you're signing to the 14th roster spot it's a dude you're not expecting to take like make like a bunch of high impact plays for you and he's more so like a veteran presence just to kind of keep your team steady and just kind of keep them flowing in some capacity way shape or form or heck i don't know maybe they take a stab at terrence davis because for some reason he is still unsigned and i think that's a dude who like the Cavs like okay you may not play a lot but at least you're not afraid when the ball's in your hands you have to take a shot yeah, my Williams at least could like approximate some of the Rubio defensive stuff in theory, yeah. but that that's like I guess the case you would make. But like I I might just rather grab another wing and say like Craig Porter Jr. You are gonna play thirty games, and we'll see what, how that goes. Uh, Donovan Mitchell play some more point guard or whatever it looks like. All right, one more break. Come back. We'll talk about the in season tournament group games, which are coming up. All right, in-season tournament talk time. Here are the group games the Cavs have. November 3rd against the Pay at Indiana. November 17th against the Pistons. November 21st against the 76ers. And November 28th against the Hawks. In case you aren't aware or unsure, the in-season tournament has these group games. Um, it's, the NBA has a group of listings. The Cavs are, are in a group with the Pacers, the Pistons, 76ers, and the Hawks. The winner of that group will advance to Las Vegas. Play in the quarterfinals. Um, pretty straightforward in terms yeah. of how you get there. The quarterfinals take place in December, from just, and then the fi- the championship ends in December 9th. So you could have your extra games between the 4th and the 9th um, of December if you are going to get there. There's the prize money at the end of the day. Evan, I got to tell you, uh, we talked about this, but the in-season tournament, I am warming on it, but it's really going to come down to, like, do the Cavs on November 3rd. It's still really early in the season, mind you, too. Like, that's the other part about this. It's not like mm-hmm. we're in March with this. Like, do they just play everyone through this? And I got to say, if we're looking at this and we're looking at what's happening with Philly and James Harden in group of, a group of, in front of a group of Chinese teenagers calling Daryl Morey a liar and then repeating himself... Like, there's a pretty clear window that if the Cavs want to, they could go after this group, win it, and, and get to Vegas. Like, they kind of, it's kind of there for them if they want it. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, real quick before I give my thoughts on this, two more names I want to throw out here. I completely blank. Just forget it. I agree. I looked at like I was talking about how the Pacers are kind of like that young opportunistic scrappy team. Like they are kind of like a fun litmus test, at least just in terms of competitive preseason basketball, because like they can throw a lot of punches at the Cavs. And at least in terms of Rick Carlisle coach teams and just the overall depth of talent that the Pacers kind of seemingly have, at least especially with how they feel about um, Tyrese Halliburton and just like the tandem with uh everything that's just they've built through the draft and just everything like, the Pacers are a fun interesting young squad and like that could be a team that gives the Cavs a little bit of run um Philly is going to be tough even if Joel even if James Harden is on the roster you still have Joel Embiid but Harden certainly not having him there would take away a lot of the luster of what the the Sixers are working with and like you said like do the Cavs want to go all in kind of this early into the season I know it's like, not like super super early like the season technically starts in mid-ish October or so late October and then this is beginning in the early November so like one are you in enough shape two do you want to maybe risk the injury and three do you want to like make a run at this when you're obviously your bigger eyes at the end of the season your bigger eyes on the bigger prize at the end of the season when you are playing more meaningful minutes in the postseason you are trying to 
shake a lot of the concerns about you as a squad uh, when the lights are the brightest because you got punked by the Knicks and a couple months ago at this point. And so you're trying to maybe kind of widen that gap. So it's an interesting chess match, an interesting balance. Um, Atlanta is going to make things interesting too, I think, just because, again, Quinn Center makes them a lot better. And I'm, I still wonder what they're going to do because I feel like they still have one move in their sleeve just because that's the Hawks. But we'll see um this is it's gonna be fun at least the group that they got paired up with like the pistons are gonna be bad i think they're gonna just be like really young and bad like young and inexperienced and bad and they're gonna be learning as they grow but it could be an interesting grouping just because like there's some solid coaching like from philly with nick nurse or carlisle with the pacers or even the Cavs with bakerstaff and then like you have a lot of young, a lot of veteran teams, and you have the Cavs are kind of like that weird blend of, okay, we can compete now or we can compete later. And I'm curious to see how they tackle this. Where, scale of 1 to 10, where's your interest level at in the play-in tournament? Uh, it's a tepid 6 right now. I want to see how committed the players... I mean, clearly the players are at least committed enough to the idea because they agree to it in the new CBA stuff. But I want to see how on board... Um, players are with the new format and the changes it's it's similar to the elam change with all-star and everything else like it makes it so much more fun after experiencing it and just like watching it a few times now but like i need to actually see this play out and just kind of materialize in front of me like are the players fully into this are they like kind of just giving it half efforts or teams just like you know saying like f this we're gonna punt it and just focus on the postseason because like i seen teams like the clippers the warriors or even the lakers not really taking this super seriously and it's going to be an interesting balancing act like i know why the nba is trying to do this they want to make every game to seem like it's high stakes and meaningful from the beginning to the very end of the season and yeah it's going to be an experiment for sure but it's like a tepid six and it really does depend on how like invested the players are like at least this early in the season how about you i think i'm at a seven i think okay. i'm just at like a solid seven because i think by the time we get to december I think that I think my optimism is rooted in the fact that I think the games we get in December in Las Vegas are actually going to be really good. I think that's going to be the path. Even if like I I'm really curious to just see like how much teams not even just like care about it from a player perspective, but how much teams like market the fact that like they make a big deal out of this. Like on the day, let, let's say we get to the first game um, when the Cavs are. Let me let me pull the tweet up again so I can look at this guy. Just blank that I meant November third, right? They're in Indiana. Is the Cavs are the Cavs social channels like blowing this up being like, hey, it's a group stage game. Are they gonna make a really big deal out of it? Um, I think like there's probably some marketing reasons why they will, but like does it feel like that when they play at home on the seventeenth, like I'm curious to just see what that looks like. I think that's kind of interesting. Just to see what the energy is like if there's any difference from a normal regular season game. It might not be this year, but it might be um in the future. And then I I think I think when you get to December, I think what I think you're gonna I think those are probably gonna be really fun. I, I think yeah. especially if there's G League Ignite stuff going on around then. Um if you get like a, a good mix of teams, like I hope there's I hope like the Thunder are there. Like that like that kind of team to just be young and spicy. And like I, I don't necessarily want like I'm sure the NBA to some degree wants like all the big name teams and a bunch mm-hmm. of star players there. I think the best basketball product we could get out of this is like a good mix of it like Maybe one of those like more established contenders, a team like Cleveland that is like somewhere in the middle of elite, like high end elite team in in the middle. They're somewhere the, in they're, that they're middle. They're aspiring to be an elite team. Yes, and then you get like a team on the on the real up and up, like Oklahoma City. That's just like the mm-hmm. chaos agent, all of it. That's the kind of mix I want when we get to Vegas. 
and I'm in agreement with you just in the fact that like when I look at the this early season tournament, it is teams like Oklahoma City and I'd include Orlando in this group. I think Houston under Yumi Udoka and just the moves they made to clearly like grow up this squad. Like I think they're gonna be in the mix just because they have so many young talented players on their on their squad. Like Sacramento is kind of in a similar spot to Cleveland where like they definitely took the NBA by storm by their youth movement, but they want to kind of show like they want to level up a little bit too. Um, Indiana is definitely like in that vein, similar to like maybe a step behind Sacramento, a little bit of step ahead of like Oklahoma city and especially um, the Rockets, of course, like there's a lot of fun young teams and like, yeah, maybe a bad team sneaks in. Maybe like women, is really the real deal right away for San Antonio. It's just like the absolute game changer. Like that would be nuts too. But to your point, like it's going to be interesting to see what the mix is. There's only so many teams that get to go into this point of the season for them and everyone else just kind of keeps on keeping on but to your point like december is a nice sweet spot because it's right before the christmas games whether it's the nba or the nfl um g league night stuff's always gonna be exciting too especially now that um so many like premier talent is just going to is skipping the college path and is now trying to explore uh the the rodeo of either signing for nil money or just playing professionally through g league or like overtime elite or something like that so it's going to be fun. I think basketball is just in a really good place. And I just think you think of those younger teams that are like maybe trying to prove that, hey, we're not rebuilding anymore. We're trying to actually show our weight and show like we're actually worth our salt in terms of just like competing with all 30 of these teams. And those are the fun opportunities for me, especially if it's like teams that the Cavs only play twice a year, like any of the Western Conference teams. Like it's a earlier opportunity maybe for me to, the, to see the Cavs check out a different squad that they seldom get to see just because of uh, geographical differences. Last thing, uh, we'll get out of here. I am really genuinely curious to just see how this is like marked out by FanDuel and like the other sports book, just because like, like how do you even like, when will they open that up? Can you, will the, how different will the odds be from the title race? I have like no idea how this is going to work. And that honestly is like another part of this of just, I think it's going to be a little chaotic to start. Like I do think it's going to be, Weird, and we're gonna get like a game randomly where like a, a a bad team beats a really good team, and it's like, whoa, are the Pistons gonna make it? You know, like are the are the like are the Rockets gonna sneak into the the, the win their group? Like we're gonna get something weird, and I I'm very excited for that because it's just gonna be fun. I agree, and Dylan that's Brooks, very... and, uh, Dylan Brooks, and Donovan Mitchell in the Las Vegas final. Sign me up. Oh gosh, the sinners in Sin City going blow for blow. But this is also maybe a good litmus test for um, if Vegas. Like I, I would assume people would travel to come watch this. But if like Vegas shows up for like a regular season NBA tournament or like games and like they really get some solid numbers together, like this is going to be a pretty rock solid argument. I mean, it's a foregone conclusion the NBA is going to expand to Vegas at some point. But like it may expedite the process a little bit if like this has a pretty good turnout like this year and maybe next year as well. But in your to your point it's great for the uh the 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 podcasters of the world thank you nba for thinking of us to give us something to talk about maybe when basketball is still kind of getting going and for some teams it may not be fun for us for others it's just like hey there's nothing to lose so let's just have some fun with it it's in there i'm chris manning that's evan general thanks again jake steven for production back later this week for schedule reaction and if any other stuff happens, we'll drop another episode. We're in August, so three days a week. Thanks for tuning in. Peace out, everyone. Uh, talk to you later this week. <laughs>